Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Convert Central. I'm Kevin Siddiq Lim, the host of Convert Central, and I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Our podcast focuses on the challenges that Muslim converts face along their conversion journey to help Muslims from all backgrounds to find a strong foothold in Islam. Follow our Instagram and LinkedIn page at Convert Central, and I look forward to sharing with you all the beneficial series we plan for the year. For now, I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Convert Central. So, mashallah, it's been a strive for the previous four episodes as well as our Instagram live. And right now, we're in the episode five of our, th- of our new series, Thinking It Through. So, if you guys are wondering why this is a strive, it's because this series has probably been the biggest series that we've attempted to do. The, the kind of scale of questions that we try to answer and the content that we try to bring in. And this series, we've been assisted by Ustaz Dr. Mubarak. So, um, for those who are just coming into this series through the episode, we will actually recommend all of you guys to go to our Instagram live and start from there. That's the um, introduction to the framework that we are trying to use to answer the questions that uh, you, you guys have posted to us uh, and, and we are trying to answer on this podcast. And after that, uh, go on from episode one all the way to episode four before uh, listening to this episode. The reason is because um, from the previous uh, series where our episodes are independent of each other, this series itself most episodes are sequential. We're trying to build on the knowledge that we've established from the previous episodes. So you guys might find it slightly tough to understand uh, the context and the kind of discussion that we have in this episode if you don't refer to the previous few, few episodes. So I'm going to give you guys a summary of what we've, we've been through uh, for our IG Live and then our uh, previous four episodes and I'll pass it to Ustaz uh, Dr. Mubarak to give you a detailed summary on episode four. So on our Instagram page, we actually um, you know, introduced this um series itself and this what, what essentially we're trying to do with this series is that we're trying to answer big questions theological questions that people have when coming to learn about religion or even islam specifically so the framework that we've actually decided to use to answer and, and the proper framework that we should be using to answer these questions is the islamic worldview and the reasons why it, we, we have actually detailed it in the instagram live so in, in episode one we've actually wanted to establish the the concept that god exists and uh, we've established that through a few arguments that Ustaz Dr. Mubarak has shared in episode 1 itself. And we move on to episode 2 where we discuss the concept of God, the, the names of God and how we understand God to help our, to assist us in clarifying some of our queries that we have as people learning about religion or people even having a religion itself but still having uh, clarifications here and there that we need learn more about to assist us with uh, being more certain in our faith. So in episode 3, we talked about nature of human beings and how we can know the nature of human beings to actually contextualize some of the questions that we've, uh, we've tackled with regards to understanding our lives, understanding how we can uh, balance between uh, our own choices and what we perceive as God's will for us. And it's a very interesting discussion. I would recommend everyone to go and listen to it. And we move on to uh, understanding the nature of the universe in episode 4. And this is actually a continuation. This episode is a continuation for episode 4, where we have actually established the nature of the universe, how it relates to God, how it also relates to human, men, ourselves, and how we use that to answer. Actually, one of the questions we answered last episode is that eventually I'm going to be a sinner. Then why does God not just kill me when early on, you know, when I'm young? So we've used this understanding of the universe to help us uh, answer this question. And today, we're going to build on that understanding to answer three more questions. But before we ans- answer these questions, I'd like to invite uh, Ustaz Dr. Mubarak to give a detailed summary of the previous episode. Bismillah, Ustaz. Uh, thank you very much, Brother Siddiq, for the uh, quick summary of all the episodes. And I will echo uh, our host's uh, message to all of you 
that uh, if you are unable to follow some of the arguments that we have built upon from the first episode, is for you to re-listen to them uh, and then reflect through. Do not rush through in listening uh, through all the episodes because the subject matter is a heavy subject matter and uh, the questions that were forwarded are heavy questions. So therefore, in order to answer uh, big questions, we require certain kind of framework and also certain kind of complexity in order to arrange uh, how the logical flow of the answer is supposed to be. Uh, there is no quick fix uh, in all of this. Uh, uh, knowledge is a path, it's a journey that we go through. And especially when it is knowledge that is related to our life, uh, questions about our origin, about our destiny. Uh, so therefore, uh, these questions require us uh, to go through some of the materials over and over again. So do uh, listen through again uh, from the IG live to episode one, uh, right to up the, right to the end of the series, inshallah. Now, uh, in the last episode, as we have mentioned, we talk about the nature of the universe and how the universe is in relation to God and how is the universe in relation to man. So within the Islamic worldview, which we have mentioned in the IG live, right? These three part, this these three, uh, we will say components uh, deal with the matter where it becomes the foundation knowledge of uh, the intellectual knowledge within the Islamic framework. And we are still at the first half of the testimony of faith, which is uh, the belief in the oneness, uh, the belief in uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one and only God that is uh, supposed to be obeyed one and only God that is real, one only God that is truth. So that part of the testimony uh, is basically being elaborated uh, right up till today uh, within the understanding of Godhead, God, Godhead, the human being and the universe and how these three things are connected. Right? So now let's, let's just uh, uh, push our thinking a bit more in terms of the uh, relationship of uh, Mother Nature with all of us. Now, our relationship of, uh, to Mother Nature from the perspective of our freedom of choice or the word ikhtiar, which I emphasize very much, this word ikhtiar, uh, because of its nuances that exist within the Arabic language that it has been used, because it comes from the word khair, which is goodness. So therefore, freedom of choice here, we could ikhtiar, could also be translated right, more on our freedom to make good and excellent choices instead of, this, instead of just the word freedom of choice because the term freedom, the phrase freedom of choice doesn't really encapsulate the nuances of the Arabic language. So um, a more accurate uh, or closer translation to this will be our freedom to make good and excellent choices. Right? Now this Freedom to make good and excellent choices can be divided into three with respect to Mother Nature. First is the aspect of Mother Nature in which the course of actions of Mother Nature that is totally out of our will and power to produce any effects or changes. The second one is when our power and will okay, can cause partial change to the direction or the actions or effects of Mother Nature. And lastly, aspects where Mother Nature is completely at the mercy of our choices. 
Now, these three categories are crucial in our understanding on how we are closely intertwined to Mother Nature. The effects that are manifested by our actions can affect Mother Nature and also human beings simultaneously. Right? Now, let us provide some examples to each of these categories that I've mentioned. Now, for the first one, our will and power is totally out of reach to the laws of nature, right? which is like the sunset and the sunrise timings or the geographical locations of these two beautiful events or celestial orbits and other celestial phenomena that are outside the influence of human beings. Now, those that can be influenced partially, the second one, by us are like inducing rain during a drought or huge forest fire, but we cannot exactly be able to make the rain fall exactly at the time that we want. We have heard all right, how we can induce clouds, but after inducing the cloud, exactly when the rain will fall and can it really fall at that exact location is something which our will and our power is not able to. Right? It is still going to fall back to the law of Mother Nature. Now, we could also influence the time taken to grow fruits, animals and others by breeding, but cannot really control the time, the taste and a few other things. Right? Those that are completely in our control will be how we want to use, where we want to dig the earth, where we want to emit CO2, where we want, where we find that as the malleability of earth becomes more, our freedom to act on her becomes small. Now, ultimately, our choices becomes the causes of intended and unintended effects and consequences that happens in this world. These effects can take many forms, be it altering some patterns of the natural cause due to our actions in creating imbalance where nature will have to restore the imbalance caused by our actions or our choices we made in our activities that has effect on other human beings. As the world of nature is created by God with the purpose of benefiting the human being, an important property of earth is being subservient to the human being. The cosmos, universe or mother nature by necessity realize the pattern of the will of the creator in them through her habitual behavior that we term it as natural laws or the laws of nature. By necessity, these laws are realized without nature capable of adding or removing any parts of this law. Now, this is different from us who actualize the will of God, not by necessity, but deliberately, freely and voluntarily. Nature has subservient to the human will and power must be capable of allowing us to alter her substance, structure, conditions and relation within space and time. For the change to take place, nature's elemental substances and configurations must have the capability to be understood by us. Her intelligibility is a necessary feature, meaning that we can understand nature. Nature is in such a way that if in such a way it is created in such a way that when we put our effort in understanding her, she can be understood. And based on our understanding, that's where our will and our power comes in. 
whether it is partial, whether it is full, or whether it's none, that we can make some changes to her. Now, she must have the conditions and quality that allow us to comprehend her fixed and proper position in the external world. Without this, we as trustee or Khalifa of God will not be able to function and subsequently our given distinctive quality which resides in our capability to act and the freedom of choice, ikhtiar, loses its meaning and significance. We as a trustee of God, a Khalifa, the human being, is the only creation that can realize all the potentialities of all creation in showcasing the utter perfection of the divine. The trust placed on the human freedom of choice to choose and act in accordance to how we envision and understand each creation is capable of demonstrating the decreed perfection placed in creation. We must think, choose and act wisely as all things are interrelated to one another. Without guidance, we will not be able to carry out this huge responsibility. This is how we relate ourselves with the world of nature. Thank you, Ustaz, for the summary. Um, how I would try to make sense of uh, the explanation that Ustaz had, had just given is that uh, essentially Ustaz is doing the noble task of trying to uh, summarize the 45-minute podcast we released last week into a short 6-7-minute to seven minute summary. So we've, we've summarized uh, what the nature of the universe is and how it's related to God. Where, where last uh, podcast we mentioned that, you know, it is always um, subjected to the laws of, that, that is defined and, and laid out by God. And that means it's never independent of God. We mentioned last podcast that God is not like a clockmaker where after, after creation, then creation itself is just left to do what they want to do. So this is uh, one of the major points of, of the summary in itself. And also, secondly, um, we, we talk in relation to us human beings. As, as having uh, built upon the established nature of human beings as being the trustee and the servant of God, uh, the Abd and the Khalifa of God, um, nature has to be subservient to us, for us to execute the role of the trustee. And, and subse- subsequently, we also have to uphold the responsibility of our actions in dealing with the nature around us, the universe around us. So this is uh, essentially because the nature of the universe is supposed to allow us to realize the works of God realize and understand God as well uh, from the perspective of man. So in a few paragraphs, Ustaz has uh, su- summarized the entire, uh, the nature of universe, how it, it relates to God and it relates to man. So Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for the summary, Ustaz. So we'll move on to the three questions for today. So uh, these three questions are big questions as well. I think uh, we've been waiting for a while to hit these questions uh, and, and we're at this milestone right now. So this que- these three questions will be focused around the inequality in the world where we are actually always wondering, you know, we, we know about God, we know about what God is capable of. Then we, we start to understand, okay, there are some questions that you know, sometimes we observe in our world that doesn't really make sense if we, if we understand God properly. So let's try to deconflict this, this different understanding, right? So the first question, if God, if Allah is all merciful and all powerful, why are there Muslims who suffer in this world? Now, these questions of inequality, it's, it's, it's tough questions for us to go and right, comprehend it. But right, we will try right, to, to see how we can square this thing off. Right? Uh, first and foremost, right, the existence of inequality doesn't negate the existence of God. To negate the existence of God, right, we need to go back to the episode number one. Uh, on the ontological, cosmological, and teleological. That is, uh, uh, if 
if the burden of proof right falls on those that does not believe on a transcendent being because that 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 three proofs are very clear proofs on the existence of a transcendent being okay so this uh, existence of inequalities we deal we dealt with uh, the question on why there are humans that are born with some form of physical deformities and we we try to look at that right from the cosmic function of uh, each and every single person who has been entrusted as a khalifa and we look at the whole idea of what does perfection means within the islamic world view right so now when we are dealt with this 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 question on suffering within this world and all that let me start off by saying that uh one of the important aspect all right that is been mentioned by imam abu hamid al ghazali a very famous scholar in islam where he said that there can be no organization of religion without proper organization in this world the if i the affairs of this world according to him are arranged in an orderly manner only through the efforts of a human kind only through the efforts of human kind he then continued to say that in order to achieve the above the discipline of governance is the noblest profession because that assures social cohesiveness and mutual well-being for this reason this activity of governance demands from the one who takes on its responsibilities a level of perfection that is not demanded for other activities now there are different levels of governance all of us are governors governing at least to a minimal level of our thoughts and actions our emotions our reactions to situation our bodily parts what we choose to see what we choose to hear what we choose to say and what we choose to do with our hands and our legs these are the minimum that we govern and they can only be governed in a proper order through our freedom of choice each of us has trustee as our own area of influence there are many events that occurs that are outside our sphere of influence what is in our sphere of influence will be our thoughts and our action where we choose the best in all situation the existence of suffering as i said do not negate the existence of god and neither it negates his love mercy compassion and other names of beauty now god is not obligated to make everybody the same and equal and god has declared that if he wants to make everybody the same he would have done that but it is uh, his will that he has made things different and diverse so that both his names of beauty and majesty will manifest themselves into this world so therefore those who are experiencing the name of majesty right needs the help from those people who are experiencing the names of beauty so therefore in the whole spectrum of event god's perfection is being manifested thank you sas i was just thinking we mentioned earlier in one of the previous episodes that religion is unity god is unity uh, but unity we often confuse it as uniformity which is not true it's not something that is prevalent even in our own lives mm. but perhaps is, is it because of our own desire for to see uniformity 
that causes us to believe that you know just because there are people suffering in this life that um God is either not fully merciful or not fully powerful. Mm. All right. No. When we when we talk about God is all merciful, uh, how do we understand the whole idea of mercy? How do we understand the idea of love? We understand the idea of love and mercy from the perspective of our experience. But mercy and love that is describing God is beyond what we experience. God's mercy, his twin attributes of mercy uh, is encompassing at the same time it is particular. Therefore, when it is encompassing, right, his mercy encompasses everybody, even those whom we are seeing to be experiencing difficulties. Is still within the uh, inf- uh, this, within the scope of influence of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Now, why we do not see that as mercy is our own limitation in terms of how we want to say mercy is. The same thing with Allah being just. What does just mean? Usually, most of the time we see just means is equality. But justice is not just about equality. Justice also has a meaning that you put things at its right place. You are not going to be just if you misplace or you do you go and what is take the order in an upside down position. You go and mix out a certain order. So justice is also putting things at its right place. So when we talk about unity and uniformity, understanding. Allah's attributes does not require uniformity in terms of how we understand it. Yeah. So it is the His mercy and His power, His wisdom, right, is much more encompassing than our own understanding of it. So therefore, uh, as how the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also said. Right, that when you fall sick or even if a thorn pricks you, that is a opportunity for your sins to be removed from you. So when we see pain, we see suffering, yes, it has, we, we have to feel it. We have to feel it. Number one, it brings us towards gratitude. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that God, all right, has given us so much. At the same time, that gratitude, all right, doesn't mean that we don't take action. And that action comes out from that manifestation of compassion in ourselves. Now, we take an example, okay? If a particular society, if a particular society do not have any needy or poor people. The whole financial system of zakat, how are you going to give your zakat? How is zakat has an obligation is going to be carried out when the whole society does not have. Of course, within the jurisprudence, if, we, if your society do not have any people that qualify to be under the category of needy and poor, then your zakat will be paid to another community which is outside your country. 
right, as outside the country. So the Ummah of Islam, right here, because why are there Muslim who suffers? The Ummah as Islam, we look at, at the Ummah as one unified being. When one part of the body feels pain, the whole other parts also feel pain. But how do we respond to that pain? I can respond to the pain by groaning and moaning and crying. I can respond to the pain by going to a specialist, a doctor, and take in the prescriptions that are being given. Same thing. When the ummah is sick, yes, our ummah as a whole, at the current stage we are, we are sick. We are in a bad shape as an ummah. Intellectually, economically, right? politically, we are in a bad state as a whole of the ummah. There are certain parts of the ummah that are more healthy than the other. So therefore, the responsibility of helping, of giving help to those parts of the ummah that is sick needs to be done, needs to be given. The same thing, if one part of our body is sick, the other part don't say, I just cut it off. No. Right? The whole body will have to rest together. The whole body will have to go through it together. So that is how we respond to this right? inequality, sufferings uh, that, is, uh, that, that our ummah is currently facing. Thank you, Ustaz. Um, I really thank you for allowing me to clarify my understanding. Um, I think it also to the similar extent when we also say like, oh, if God is all powerful, then like he can just make all of our suffering stop, right? But maybe even in that case, that might not be the most merciful, uh, you know, way. if all of our perceived suffering, he, he makes it stop. Definitely he has the power to, uh, you know, but that might not even be the way that is most merciful for us because sometimes we also fail to account for in our own short-sightedness the hereafter we are going to discuss it in the next few episodes where you know whatever good or whatever suffering we go through we will be recompensed <laughs> now when, when you said that yeah when we, when we said that Allah is all powerful and he is capable of removing suffering remember the freedom of choice was given to us as the Khalifa when every time something goes wrong God comes in and corrects it then that whole idea of freedom of choice, ikhtiar, is not there. That whole notion of the human being, all right, the whole notion of the human being can decide, can do whatever that they want and be accounted for, false truth. Therefore, that's why Imam Al-Ghazali said, all right, as I quoted in the very beginning, that the affairs of this world are arranged in an orderly manner only through the efforts of humankind. Are we saying that Imam Ghazali doesn't believe in God? No, it's not. Because it is us, the human being, that will determine how the affairs of this world is going to be. Therefore, those who are having a higher responsibility within the Ummah, you will be taken to task. You will be questioned more as compared to those of us where our, of our area of influence is smaller. So, but we are at least, we are at least, 
all right, governing our own thoughts and action, governing our own emotions, go governing how we react to things. That one we are going to be questioned. Right? But God, Allah has all powerful, all merciful. We need to also look at all wisdom, wise, justice, hakam, and seri ul hisab that He will call for reckoning when the time is proper and right. So therefore, He has created the world as we have mentioned about the world that has a certain law that needs to be followed. The cause and effect, the causality, whatever action that we take, there will be an effect on it. Because Allah allows that effect to take place. Why? Because He has given us that freedom of choice, that ikhtiar for us to be able to make it right. At the same time, He is forgiving. At the same time, He is merciful. At the same time, He is compassionate. It is hard to make our head to wrap around this. But when we just pick, we cherry pick one or two attributes and try to blame it on God or to show that He is important, in not omnipotence, not empowering because of this, then we get the whole thing wrong. When we take into account here after like, like what was I saying, we're taken, taken to task when we are given more responsibilities. And if we are, if we do well, then we will be rewarded more. But if we don't, then we will, we will not be rewarded more. Instead, we might even be punished. So in a sense where we're discussing afterlife and perhaps many of us, we don't believe in it uh, as, as people exploring religion. But we've established now in, in at this point of time where in our, in our series, we've established that there is God. You know, this is something that we explored in episode one. And then with the premise of there is God, the second premise is that God has said that there is afterlife because we are using a reviewed worldview. And this is why we are discussing hereafter. And of course, we will be going in, into detail about hereafter. But definitely, when it comes to suffering in the world, when it comes to inequality in the world, here, the hereafter, the idea of that and how it works is, is, is truly closely intertwined, as, as Ustaz has mentioned. So uh, thank you, Ustaz, for that. I'll move on to the next question. And uh, it's slightly... Uh, different from beyond beyond suffering, uh, beyond how we see people who are suffering, we, we also often see inequality in this world, uh, be it wealth, be it you know, in, in the workplace where there's inequality in, in terms of maybe uh, how, how someone is being treated. And we always wonder as well, you know, what does religion say about the existence of inequality? So I'll pass it to Ustaz to, uh, and, you know, to clarify this, uh, the existence of inequality in this world. Alright, okay. Now when we ask and when we talk about inequality, we need to define this word inequality. And then we need to look into which area of the world are we trying to address. Is it inequality of gender, inequality of financial distribution, inequality of social mobility, and many other inequalities that are happening within the domains of our work. Now, all of this within Islam are unacceptable. The trust in running the world is given to the human being. The human actions will have consequences. When human actions are not based upon divine principle, then the imbalance occurs. So therefore, within the Islamic worldview, now nothing occurs outside the knowledge. Okay, I repeat this. Huh? The trust in running the world is given to the human being. Human actions will have consequences. Now, Although we know that nothing occurs outside the knowledge and outside the will of God, human beings, however, 
have been given the freedom to choose. Human deeds are still under each person's power by means of acquisition. The technical term is kasbun. Okay? What we mean by acquisition here is that all possibilities of the all possibilities of our decisions have been created in potentiality. When the human being exercises their choice, they brings the potentiality of this possibility into existence. As a creation with freedom to choose, the choices we made will being. I repeat, as a creation with freedom to choose, the choices we made will bring the consequences into existence. If we made a bad choice, we must face the consequence of it. If we steal or perform acts of criminal, we cannot say that God made it us do it. If that's the case, there will be no need for any law. We cannot say that I steal because the government made me do it because they do not support me enough. This argument is absurd. So instead of us rejecting God, the existence of inequality requires us to act and reduce and remove the inequalities as we have the freedom to choose as a trustee on this earth. We stop blaming God for it, but carry out our responsibility to express the names of beauty. In inequality in itself is a creation. Each creation will have a cosmic function. A purpose of the existence of inequality is to make the names of beauty to be expressed, to bring out the compassion in humanity. It brings into perspective some of our wrong decisions that we have made and cause harms to other human beings and the world. If we are open to these spiritual and symbolic messages of events happening around us, as human, we can reduce the amount of injustice happening around the world. Governance is important, so has spiritual and intellectual growth to keep our desires and egos in check. Thank you, Ustaz, for answering this question for us. I think this, this question, uh, the answer to this question is more intuitive to ourselves because truly when we make a choice, we know we are fully aware that we are making the choice. You know, and somehow or rather, we attempt to contextualize and, and add into the mix uh, God's will, you know, in, in, in trying to understand the entire creation. And it's really very, very uh, clearly explained by the fact that, yes, indeed, one of the ways we can understand it is that God creates all the potentials, all the potential of our decisions. And we actually actualize this potential into reality. And, and hence, this is how we can reconcile between where, how our will and God's will interacts. But of course, this is, this is, um, this is as mentioned, this is our attempt at trying to give a clearer answer. This is definitely uh, not a fully definite answer. There are definitely going to be differences in opinions, as we, we, we always mention. And if you guys have any uh, opposing views or you guys would like to add on another question, please head on to our Instagram page to, to DM us and, and, we, and we see what we can do to try to clarify some of your misconceptions or some of your clarifications. So at this point of time, I'll move on to the last question of the night. And uh, subsequently, I'll pass it to Ustaz as well. So um, this, this question is, is really, uh, I will use a word that Ustaz has, 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 uh, has used a lot of times in this series. This is a perennial question that, that uh, you know, has been asked so many times, even in my own journey of coming to Islam, my own journey of learning about religion itself. So if a country suffers a calamity, 
let's say a flood in which thousands perish, is this the result of God's displeasure on the country's people? No. As we have described, the essence of the world of nature and her relation to God and the human being, there are lessons for us human beings to learn from Mother Nature. Her nature is intelligible and malleable, meaning that we can study the sciences behind calamity. We learn from it to make predictions on a next possible occurrence so that we are better prepared for it. We learn from it and change our choices and behaviors in order to prevent it from occurring again. Now, this last one is not really discussed. If we just limit ourselves to just God's displeasure, then our knowledge of these events will not increase and we are jeopardizing ours and others' existence. We should look at it from both perspectives, from the perspective of science and religion. These two should be complementary as science will fill our intellectual curiosity and religion will provide food for our spiritual growth. The Quran is filled with stories of previous nations and their respective choices that they make in accordance with God's command and those against his command. The Quran described the disasters and calamities befallen onto this past nation as lessons for those who have intellect. Now, COVID-19 is a good experience for us. Our response must be both from science and religion. From scientific evidences, that is where we listen to the experts' advice on the nature of the virus so that we take precautionary measures to curb the spread, go for our vaccination, and follow the safe management measures. COVID-19 must also make us reflect upon our lifestyle. It does demonstrate that we can get by our life with less. It showed the compassion and kampong spirit that we have. Humanity got together to help one another. From religious perspective, we make doa and sadaqah, charity, as these two things repel calamities. Religion brings about hope, patience, gratitudes, and others. Science gives us breakthroughs and propel our life forward with more awareness of the consequences of our thoughts and actions. So therefore, both science and religious response will enable a more holistic response to any calamity and brings about a stronger community post-crisis. Now, going back to the question, is it the result of God's displeasure on the country's people? It is yes, and it is also no. I need to look at it from two different perspectives. Both perspectives need to be looked at. The Quran tells us that the, the communities that Allah wiped out, communities that Allah wiped out from the face of the earth, was their constant engagement with disobedience. And calamities were sent in order to wipe them and replace them with another group of people. Right? So we cannot deny that dimension. But if we just rely on that dimension, then how are we going to propel forward? So Allah has told us that the the phenomenons of the uh, the, the phenomenons that occurs within the terrestrial life are signs and symbols to tell us about something. So therefore, the signs comes in s c i e n c e 
in order to help us to study the law of nature in order to make us more prepared as a humanity uh, for further calamities that is supposed to come. So it is introspective at the same time, all right? We looked outside. So it's both inner reflection and a reflection of the outside. So we cannot just confine our response, all right, from just saying that God is displeasure. Because Allah has says that he has written mercy above his wrath. His names of beauties will always be above his names of majesty. That's the nature that Allah has willed him himself to be like that. That's how we have described previously. Wallah Rasulullah. Thank you, Ustaz. Um, I think another uh, area of our lives where we also hear a lot of these statements being made is that um, we hear of maybe a, a, a country having a disaster and then someone around us is oh this is this must be because they are, they, are, they are sinners and then God's displeasure is coming upon them and as you've described Usas this is something that it, it's, it's, it's such a narrow perspective in which we don't take into account so many uh, possibilities of God's mercy coming into play and in the past year in Convert Century itself we've also focused on where COVID-19 of course it's a tragedy a lot of people are suffering from it but at the same time many people are benefiting from it Many people are benefiting not, not just in terms of being closer to their families, but also because of the fact that we are much more isolated than the years prior. We, we, we start to realize that uh, we start to realize God and we start to realize that we want to be closer to God. And we are enabled because we are, we, are, we are spending more time in isolation. allows us to be more contemplative and allows us to be engaged in more acts of worship. Another way is, is as well unexpected events where, where we have friends where they, they, were, they were supposed to go overseas and because of COVID-19, they were not supposed to. And then uh, some weeks down the road, their family falls, uh, their, one of their family members falls seriously ill. So truly, um, we, we can't, it's, it's not a sweeping uh, labor where we labor anything that happens, even COVID-19, as you mentioned, uh, as, as, as the same as inequality is also a creation of Allah. So it's a, it's a creation of God. And it, it has its purpose. And the purpose of any creation as, as, as with the attributes of God is that it's always mercy first and then the, the attributes of uh, majesty will manifest. So thank you, Ustaz, for, for such a detailed and uh, clear explanation to all the three questions we've discussed today. And that brings us to the end of our uh, two-episode uh, portion where we use the two episodes to discuss about the universe, a big topic, and then use this understanding of not just the universe itself but our role as men and how both universe and man relates to God to answer these three questions, big questions about inequality. Now, we couldn't have reached here without uh, exploring and understanding these, these three parts of, of how we interact with uh, not just uh, the people around us, but also with the universe and, 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 and with God. And um, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you guys want to understand what we've discussed in much more detail and, and, and with much more clarity, please head down to the first episode, watch it from there, and, and if needed to, uh, watch it a few times. So I'm sure you guys have noticed where we actually discussed a little bit about the afterlife in some, one of the questions that we answered earlier. And this is actually very apt because in the next episode, we're going to discuss about afterlife. We're going to understand uh, why uh, and how and what is afterlife. So um, I'll leave it to Ustaz to give us a short uh, sneak peek of us to come. And then after that, inshallah, we'll end off the podcast. Now in, the, in our next uh, episode, when we uh, deal with the question of the afterlife, one thing that we need to, to fully understand is that Islam does not concede uh, to uh, split or to cut into two or to have a two mutually exclusive uh, world where the, both the dunya and the akhirah, this world and the next, 
is something which is uh, not interrogated or in a more sophisticated term, we call it that the sacred and the profane. So there's no dichotomy between sacred and profane, dunya and akhirah, this world and the next world. Now, how Islam see it is that the dunya aspect must be related in a profound and inseparable way to the akhirah aspect. The akhirah aspect has ultimate and final significance. The dunya aspect is seen as a preparation for the afterlife. Everything in Islam is ultimately focused on the afterlife aspect without thereby implying any attitude of neglect or being unmindful to the aspect of this world. This is the whole overview of the questions of afterlife. All right, thank you, Ustaz. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode as uh, we, we know some of you guys are also excited to, go, to keep consuming episodes of this series. Inshallah, we will see you next uh, on, on the coming Friday for our next episode. And at this point of time, we will just uh, get Ustaz to help us recite Tasbih Kafara and so to ask you to end of the podcast. Bismillah. Bismillah. <laughs> وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين الحمد لله رب العالمين. Thank you استاذ. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.